Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 38. Ian is a little bitch and took his talents to South Beach this week. He's on vacation. But he left an upgrade, dare I say. We're going to talk a lot about Little Green Men. It's fitting because St. Patrick's Day just happened and I've been watching the Leprechaun video nonstop. We're joined by Adam Wallace. How you doing, Adam? Pretty good, Tom. How are you? Good. So we have a ton of stuff to talk about tonight, not just elves. We had some things that are going to connect to elves and then some things we're going to talk about with the challenge and how the meta is moving. But I feel like I just want to turn the mic over to you and like ask you just to give everybody who's listening a quick rundown of who you are. All right. Well, um, so I'm Adam Wallace. I've been playing elves for about six years or so. Played it in past four or five legacy GPs, starting in GP New Jersey uh, back in 2014, where I had to play a bunch of people with main deck fork bolts because Blue Red Delver was, you know, the biggest deck in the room. Uh, played it through Omnitel, uh, which also crushes elves. And then through Miracles, which was, again, an awful matchup for Elves. So needless to say, I have a great deck selection. Um, I'm also a bomb diggity on Magic Online, uh, where I play a lot of Elves. I won a challenge a few weeks back. Um, I try jamming a bunch of awful cards in Elves when I'm bored. Yeah, and actually, some of those awful cards we're going to talk about tonight. But, like... Really quickly, going going through playing elves in metas that have been traditionally horrible for it must have like forged your resolve to where when elves is really good in the meta, like a bunch of fair blue decks fighting against each other, you know exactly how to tune your deck to fight it. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Um, so I live in um, the middle of nowhere, Maine, and we have a pretty decent sized legacy community up here. Uh, including um, Chris Stitson, uh, MZ Frosty, as most people know him. And he played a ton of Miracles back in the day. And our legacy FNMs used to be pretty much just me and him. So I played that matchup a lot, um, to the point where when Miracles was the best deck, I had something like a... Seven one in one record against it at GPs it was very comfortable in it. It was still hard, and you know when you play someone who's very good at miracles, it you're probably going to lose. But it taught me a lot about how the matchup plays out. Yeah, having having somebody like Topher to jam a bunch of games with seems like the perfect scenario to get sort of set up to fight that battle. It was ideal. I got terminus a lot. Um, I could, I would be fine if no one ever miracled anything ever again. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to new miracles where they're only playing two terminus. And <laughs> from everything that I've been told, elves is not a bad matchup anymore. It's, it's not. There are a few things that really changed. They can't, um, control their terminus as well. They can't just spin top whenever they feel like it and wipe the board. Um, there's more setup. Uh, so it's easier to, you know, grind through it and not get blown out. All right. So I said that we we're going to talk about awful cards. 
and I don't I don't want to focus too much on Realm Razor, but <laughs> you you all may have to look that card up because I had to. But the awful sideboard card that I actually want to talk a little bit about was in your challenge winning deck list, and I don't even know the name of the card, but I know that it has the monarch ability, <laughs> and everybody has been on the hype train about Palace Jailer and the blue-white shells that I've been playing with. And not even for, like, the two-for-one potential or it's it's better known for ability, but more more so just to be a howling mine. So where where did you get the idea to add the, the Monarch card into the Elf Shell? So the card you're looking for is uh, Entourage of Trest. Uh, for those of you who don't know costs four colorless one green it gives you the monarch it is a four four that can block two creatures every combat so hidden ability there it never comes up and of course it's an elf so you can bounce it um i got the idea from palace jailer being so good uh i saw death and taxes and to a lesser extent the stone various stone blade lists playing it and i was like i was playing through a league one day i was playing against probably some tundra deck miracles or stone blade and they i got them real good with a choke and then two turns later they had played two lands and then they disenchanted it and then i lost a couple turns later and so if you're if you're playing a deck that against elves you know, maybe disenchant's not the most live card, but sure enough, everyone everyone knows that elves is going to use, if not choke, um, Sylvan Library. Yep, I the sideboard maps that I have for blue white all bring in at least generally one disenchant because you know it's going to be live against Sylvan and probably choke. If you don't see choke, uh, just having that one dead card is better than having all of your blue mana destroyed for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so... It's not that, you know, disenchant's great. It's that choke, choke crushes that deck. So yeah, and you definitely you, have to respect it. You kind of need it. And if not, you can ponder and brainstorm it away. So I was looking for something that could um, win grindy games when there's not a lot of pressure on. Uh, and isn't easily, and maybe not, you know, maybe it's answerable, but the answer doesn't stop it completely. Like Sylvan Library, if I get it out and you disenchant it, I've probably snap paid off eight life. Choke maybe buys a turn, but the Monarch, the Monarch's real good. I I did not know how good the Monarch was until about a month ago. And I just started playing Palace Jailer as a Howling Mine at the recommendation of a few other Legacy players. And man, does it feel so good when you hit your end step just to end up drawing another card. And not have it be really interactable with. Like, you can't disenchant it. You can't counterspell it after the, the Monarch is already in play. I, I have yet to get, like, Ambush Vipered and have it taken from me, which has to be... Has to be a significant feel bad, but just the monarch is such a great ability. Yeah, it's definitely and it's definitely possible to lose. Like I have no 
counter magic or creatures with flying or any sort of thing like that. So if my opponent plays a true named nemesis or like a baleful strix or something, I can lose the monarch. But the counterpoint is that I'm playing like 30 creatures in my deck and it's probably going to be pretty easy for me to get it back. I can throw a bunch of bodies at my opponent until I get it back. Yeah, and the extra card for you in that situation is probably going to be more important than the extra card from the deck that's attacking you with a Vendillion click because you have some explosive combo potential that that everybody knows about from elves. Those 10-minute, yeah. all right, I have 30 permanents on the board, kill you turns. Yeah, so... I mean, there there are some cards in Elves that when you know you draw them, you win the game immediately. They're the you know, Gaia's Cradles, the Natural Order is the Crater of Behemoths. So, two cards for me closer to those is dangerous. Absolutely. It's also it's also a four four, which is the biggest creature in Elves by like three power. So, can do some damage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Crater Hoof. Craterhoof makes everything big, but that is the the biggest standard creature for sure. Yeah. So let's let's take it back and pretend like we have some listeners that aren't super familiar with elves. Because if you haven't played Legacy for a long time, elves is one of those decks where generally the people who play it stick to it, but it isn't super well represented all the time. So what metagames does somebody really want to bring elves to? So elves is very favored against um, non-blue decks, your Mavericks and your Death and Taxes, and anything trying to play a grindy game. Um, there's not there are a few hate bears here and there, um, but generally because of how Xeroxy Legacy is a lot of the hate bears stop, you know, like Thalia. Thalia is a thorn in the side of most combo decks. Elves doesn't care about it because it's playing a bunch of creatures. Um, so it also has a favorable matchup against um, fair blue decks. Delver's probably, like Grixis Delver is tougher. Tundra decks are good, um, and then all combo decks are bad, pretty much. <laughs> um, Elves is not as fast. Um, all of his creatures have summoning sickness. You'll never turn one elf kill. You turn two elf kill, but never turn one. So the nuts aren't there. But instead of having the more explosive potential, it has the ability to do something when your opponent stops the combo. It attacks with 1-1s and 2-2s, which if your opponent's bringing in, you know, Fluster Storms, Spell Pierces, all this, all these things that stop a combo, well, you still have a backup plan. Yep. It's, it's always so rough trying to balance from the blue side, bringing in enough, or keeping in enough counter magic to be able to make sure that you're not dead to a glimpse or a natural order, but also understanding that that's not what the complete game is about. You need to stop that, but then you also need to win this secondary ground war where 
Elf elvish visionary being played every turn is is a huge threat in those longer games. Yeah, elves. Yeah, elves has a lot of inevitability against you know your opponents playing a true name nemesis and you giving me you know seven turns to live. There's a lot of you can draw a lot of cards with you know visionary symbiote or glimpse of nature. Just, go wider than a true name nemesis it it's unblockable but it can only do so much to clog up the ground that is absolutely true all right so tell me about the list that you're currently playing things that you've noticed about the deck just impart as much wisdom as you can to everybody who's listening so there's two major varieties of elves lists right now there's the quad laser pure combo deck um the shell which has been around for i mean since i started playing it um probably right around crater hoof sprinting was when it was at its when it's got its you know actual wind condition mm -hmm. um it runs you know four of all the elves um it uses Elvish Visionary and Wirewood Symbiote to grind out when it can, but its primary its primary winning win condition is combo killing your opponent. More and more lists nowadays are running Silver Bullets because Green Sun Zenith and Natural Order are such powerful tutors. They let you run. Um, in the past, it was Rurik, things like Rurik Thar for Storm, or uh, now you'll see Archon of Valor's Reach a lot. Mm -hmm. um, or cards that let you transition into more of a mid-range game. Mm -hmm. um, cards like Scavenging Ooze, um, or Renrun's Packmaster. Um, and generally, depending on what you expect to see, um, is how you want to approach the map. So right now, if I'm looking at what I expect to see at a larger tournament, you'll see a lot of fair blue decks mm -hmm. and the combo, the combo version is the best against that. Um, maybe you'll hedge with like a scavenging ooze that the, the version I run now is two crater hoof behemoths, no other natural order targets and a scavenging ooze is the sort of flex spot which is designed mostly to deal with these fair blue decks because they're so prevalent. Um, if you expect a lot of combo, a card like Arcana Valor's Reach or Rurikthar, if you cast Natural Order and get one of those out, you are going to win that game against a lot of decks. Yep, so that the Scavenging Ooze right now is just sort of in that flex spot where it can vary depending on what you're what you're expecting to see. Yeah, depends on. Yeah, I mean it's it's about you'll see you'll see some funky stuff here and there. Um, I think at Grand Prix Columbus a few years back, I ran a main deck, um, Ren Runs Packmaster, which is a like Laura Win Rare that makes two two wolves. Yep, I uh, know. I remember that card. Um, and that is like does a better job of than like scavenging ooze of 
you know, stabilizing the board against a mid another mid-range deck. But on the other hand, if you're trying to kill your opponent on turn two, it's a four-drop elf that doesn't really do anything. Yep. So it depends on how comfortable you are deviating from the combo plan, especially in game one. Um, I tend to be as very combo heavy. Um, I don't mind scavenging use because it's it's about as far as I want to go in terms of trying to be a mid-range deck because it's still a two-mana 2-2 two, two that I can cast and draw a card at the glimpse. Yeah, plus it's the... It's a card that with the tutor package is such high impact in, in a lot of matchups. And against, I don't know, against a deck like Aggro Loam, it's got to be one of your your best cards because Punishing Fire just seems brutal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Punishing Fire is a heck of a card. It, it's something that when I first started Elves, I had it in my sideboard. And then when I was mapping out how I wanted to sideboard, it was coming in all the time. It came in against Storm, you know, they cut off their past in a flames line. It cut a, came in against Chalice of the Void decks because it's a two drop that can get bigger than Reality Smasher if you wait long enough. Came in against Delver because it can sort of pressure anglers, um, gain a couple life here and there, maybe through, through a race. Is generally going to be better than a redundant elf in most matchups, but it still doesn't help you combo kill. So you'll see a lot of you'll see like when Reed Duke played uh, won the challenge with elves, he ran one on the sideboard um, because he is from the school of thought that you want your game one to be as combo combo as possible. You know, you want to kill your opponent as fast as they can so they can't do any funky business. Yep. Which is also generally one of the reasons that I don't like Rurikthar or any of the other various natural order targets. It's because the longer you give your opponent, the more of a chance that they'll just draw something funky. We've all been playing... A legacy tournament and seen something wild. Um, I played the first, <laughs> the first legacy challenge I played with Archon of Valor's Reach when it came on Magic Online. Uh, I got Eldrazi Obligated and it killed me. <laughs> um, it's the same thing as the story Ian was saying about Panglacial Worm. Yep, you, I yeah. I got to be sitting next <laughs> to him as that happened, and oh man. <laughs> that that almost led to a really bad beat story. Yeah, it's people playing Legacy are going to play some wild stuff. You can Legacy lets you. So generally, I want to be killing my opponent as fast as possible because if you don't, stuff can happen. Yep. So you talked about uh, stuff like Rurikthar and other targets for natural order that you like to shy away from in the main deck have you or do you run any of those in the sideboard to bring in in certain matchups um i don't um i have in the past their progenitus is probably the most common mm -hmm. followed by various 
anti-combo cards. Um, Progenitus is a great card for things like aggro loam or lands or a stone blade or... I mean, most decks can't beat Progenitus. I guess this is what it comes down to, but sometimes it's hard to resolve a natural order in those matchups or you draw it and you can't cast it. It's just dead. And I hate drawing yep. dead cards. Yeah, having having multiple Crater Hoof Behemoths is great because if you ever get stuck with one and you don't have a Crater to cast it, you still have one in your deck. Having Progenitus is a one of getting it Getting it on in your draw step, the turn that you're going to natural order for it has got to be the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> yeah, it, and it is. It happens enough, and it's happened in enough like big situations for me. Uh, back when opens were one day, I think I was playing a you know Worcester open, maybe Worcester, maybe Providence, and I had. I had it set up to turn to natural or natural or for progenitus. I set my turn up, you know, I was all ready to go. And then I drew it. And then like 35 turns later, time was called or something like that. And I never beat my opponent because he dealt with my one crater of behemoth. Yep. It was so based on that, I, you know, various experience like that. I don't like progenitus that much. Um, that being said, there, there are often meta games where it's great. If natural order is good, which is, it's not very good against most of the blue decks because they run soft counter magic and then you have to sacrifice a creature and whatnot. If you can know you're going to resolve natural order, progenitus can make its way in there against chalice decks especially it can be hard to play out enough elves to make a crater of behemoth lethal, but progenitus doesn't have that problem. It's yep. a 10, 10 natural order. Here you go. You're going to be dead in two turns. Um, there are a few other options I've run. Most of them. I have um, an elf binder full of complete jank and some playable cards, mostly jank, but they're all to shore up specific matchups. Um, before Assassin's Trophy was printed, Turbo De you didn't really have any good sideboard cards for Turbo Depths. Um, uh, Elder Scale Worm uh, sets all life totals to seven. That card was seen in Elf sideboards. Mm -hmm. I actually, I think I had seen a screenshot. I'm not sure if it was you. Or another elves player, but there were two of those in play, one on either <laughs> side. Was was that was that from you? That was not. Okay. Um, I. The funny thing about that is, the game is over. It's a draw because neither elves player can deck themselves because Queen's on Zenith. Um, now, now that Deathrite Shaman is illegal. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, there's a few other ones. Uh, Rurik Thar is big. Um, Rurik Thar I will actually run if I have another reason to be running red. Um, something like Blood Moon Sideboard or I need Ancient Grudge. Um, something like that. Um, 
I don't like Blood Moon personally because um, Gaia's Cradle is the best card in the deck. But lands in particular is almost impossible uh, now that there's no Death Rate Shaman. Yeah, not. I mean, just the the whole deck the, from the land side seems like it's just slanted to beat decks like Elves. There's Punishing Fire and there's Tabernacle and there's the combo kill that they can just have out of nowhere. So you're not really sure what type of hands you're going to be playing against until the game starts to play out. And you can kind of get prisoned out of the game, or you can just die on turn three. Yeah, exactly. So if you know if you are expecting to go to you know an event where there are half the, you know a quarter of the field's lands, <laughs> you run Blood Moon, and then you'll run Muruk Thar too, and it'll make your combo matchups great. Um, the other is the other natural order target uh not a non-traditional natural order target that i do run is gaddock teague i say natural order target loosely because you never really want to be natural ordering for it but you can it's basically just storm um although it's fine against terminuses and sneak attacks and the like but um that's one of the bombs. You can green sun zenith for it too. It's the same. Yep. So yeah, it almost it, it almost seems like if you if you're natural order if you're natural ordering for a Gattaque, it's kind of like a last ditch effort because you couldn't get there with Crater Hoof. Otherwise, you would have just gotten Hoof. Yeah. So it's a uh, a last ditch effort to to keep yourself in the game. <laughs> yeah, like I'm trying not to die next turn. Maybe force my opponent to use their cantrips sub suboptimally, but you never really want to be doing it. Yep. Now, do you have Gattaque in the main deck, or is that a sideboard card? Uh, usually in the sideboard. Okay. Um, I've played it here and there uh, in the main deck. I top-aided... I think, actually, you might have top-aided to uh, TJ's event, <laughs> where I ran Gattaque and Driven to Despair. Okay, uh, uh, that was... Was that the one that Zach Turgeon won? I think so. Okay, that, that I, I remember that. Um, and I ran Driven to Despair because it was like a, you know, business card that Galactic didn't shut off. Mm -hmm. And it was fine, except Natural Order gives you those free wins that you really want over the course of a long tournament. Sometimes you don't want to think. Elves is... Elves combo turns could be very time intensive and you have to sequence a lot of things right to maximize your mana. And sometimes you, it's hard to do that for nine rounds in a day and you just want to cast a natural order and win the game immediately. Yeah, that, that is definitely the easier way of playing elves. I can do that, but the glimpse turns with symbiotes and rangers and, all of that, man, that takes some practice and nothing's more painful than sitting down in a tournament and sort of getting paired against a newer elf player that doesn't have like their physical dexterity down yet to make all of those decisions quickly. And, <laughs> oh, those turns can take such a long time. <laughs> they are. That, that is true. And sometimes, sometimes they start off and they're like, are you dead? And maybe. 
It's not. It's, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know yet. This yeah. isn't Storm where you're like, yeah, I'm going to cast these five rituals and then have a deterministic kill. When you start going with elves, you're probably going to win or you're probably not going to win. And then it depends on what you draw. There are no, no natural is really the only like deterministic way to kill. Sometimes you have to hope, hope you draw a bunch of elves. All right. So before we, before we talk about all like the sort of mini combos that are in the elf deck, we were talking quite a bit about sideboarding. Yeah. So do you want to talk about your current sideboard and like, I know that you have a sideboard map made up what your sort of strategy was in choosing your cards for your sideboard and how everything sort of works together. Sure. So, um, generally when I start with elves, there are a couple, I split the metagame up into, you know, what I expect to see, um, into macro archetypes, you know, combo, fair blue Mm -hmm. prison, um, and instead of specific decks that I want to be ready for with elves, because it's so like the main decks very, you know, it's 58 cards and two flex spots or whatever. And the sideboard is these certain things. You, I think of more of the cards that my opponent is playing that will beat me. I don't care so much about what, the prison deck is doing whether it's blood moons or eldrazi i really only want answers to chalice of the void um fair blue decks it doesn't matter if they're running swords or bolt matters if they are running marsh casualties out of the sideboard or if they have umazawa's jit things like that um so the reason for that is mostly because again you're a combo deck and you can't dilute your deck too much but you want to make sure your answers are broad enough to deal with them um with elves you're going to start out with some abrupt decay or assassin's trophies um you're green black um you can't beat a jit you can't be a chalice and abrupt decay and assassin's trophy kill them. You'll that's um, specifically I prefer um, abrupt decay because I expect a lot of blue decks um, at any large event. Um, a lot of elves lists that you see nowadays are heavier on assassin's trophy instead of decay which is you know you can't destroy you can't kill a jace you can't kill an opponent trying to make a merit liege token um it is probably you know it's has you can kill anything with it um i don't care that much about killing anything what i do care about is making sure that what I want to kill is dead. And because these cards usually cost three or less, they're, you know, Jit, Chalice, Mentor, those things, I'm, that's, I tend to lean towards Abrupt Decay. Yep. Coming from, like, the, the Stoneblade side of it, I 100% am more afraid of 
Abrupt Decay than Assassin's Trophy. Just because the game plan usually boils down to you want to get your Stone Forge for the JIT, and before you put the JIT into play, if you can, you want to attack your opponent's black sources so you can actually protect it against an Abrupt Decay. Otherwise, you, you can try to clear the way with a click, but most of the lists aren't running click anymore, and you just kind of need to like get your JIT, jam, and hope that they don't have an answer to it. Because that matchup is very tough for the blue side. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a lot of that also comes down to is you need to... You're not swinging with JIT until turn 6 or 7. It's probably going to be too late. So it does need to be exposed. Yep. The other black cards in the deck um, are discard spells. And um, Elves, in my mind, is one of the better Cabal Therapy decks still in the format. Um, which is one of my all-time favorite cards. Um, you see lists running anywhere from three to six discard spells. Um, I think I'm on four or five, depending on how lucky I feel about dodging combo. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... Um, very specific about if I'm running... I like to run three or four Cabal Therapies first. Um, I only want to draw. My last list ran four Cabal Therapy, one Thought Seize, because I only wanted to ever draw one Thought Seize in a game. Yep. Um, on the other hand, there are definitely matchups where Thought Seize is better. You're never going to side in Cabal Therapy against something like Miracles. Whereas Thought Seize is great there. The downside with Cabal Therapy is obviously that you can miss, and it can be much worse than a Thought Seize, but it's got a high ceiling. And I feel that I've been playing Elves long enough to know what cards I'm afraid of um, coming from my opponent. So I lean towards Cabal Therapies. Um, some Graveyard Hate in there. Um, again, because other combo decks are such bad matchups. But again, it's beating specific cards and not decks. I got you. So what? Let's let's take a matchup and go through like the cards that you're you're sort of afraid of out of the sideboard and how you board against them. All right. Let's try miracles. So, Miracles, um, the cards coming out of the sideboards depend a lot on, I guess, what you see game one. Um, you know, if you see red, although lists have run, um, you're more likely to see things like, is it Staticaster? Um, there generally are, out of Miracles, Everything that matters is a permanent on their end. Counterbalance, Monastery Mentor, if they bring in, you know, Containment Priest, Back to Basics, all these mm -hmm. things. So I bring in as many Decays and Assassin's Trophies as I have. Um, if I'm running anything in the deck, um, like... Um, Entourage of Trust. 
or choke. Yep. These fair blue bombs. I'll bring them in as well. Um, one of the one of the cool things about elves is that it doesn't have any islands, so you can run choke, which is ridiculous. You you could also, <laughs> if you want to get spicy, you could play tsunami. Now I know obviously choke is a much better card, but in that situation you were talking about earlier with disenchant, you don't get him back from tsunami. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's you're not going to act like that's never crossed my mind. I mean, Kevin. <laughs> Nick, Nick fit players everywhere. Are like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I've been saying for the last few years. Most of what makes miracles difficult is not their sideboard hate. It's just being very patient as elves and not getting six for one with a terminus. Um, that matchup is just really slow. Um, there aren't a ton of things that miracles actually do to win the game. You know, they have six ways to win ish, three Jace, three Mentor. You, elves can pressure Jace, and you have the answers for Mentor. So, bringing the game long is usually in Elves' favor. Which is, like, super... From from somebody that doesn't, obviously, hasn't played the matchup, that just, it seems like Elves being the deck that wants to take the game long is crazy. But after you, after you sort of go through the reasons why, it makes a ton of sense now. And that's something that's, like, I, I feel like is counterintuitive. Yeah, it's... It's not just because, you know, for... You know, you have to, like, you're just going to draw a lot of cards. Elves is one of the one of the few decks that has a draw engine that can outpace accumulated knowledge. Um, so, because Elvish Visionary can draw so many cards, you'll find openings to, you know, recover from a Terminus and just regain momentum while you watch miracles spin their wheels, cast their cantrips, but not actually putting anything on the board. If you find it, it's like turn seven or eight and you're able to use all of your mana, which is, you know, six turns of land drops, maybe a cradle. And you're able to use that to churn through your deck find some of these bombs that miracles can't be like choke <laughs> getting the monarch <clears throat> or crater of behemoth because it just kills them eventually you will that makes a ton of sense all right so how does it change going from a control deck like miracles to something like grixis control um grixis control is very similar except um they have, they run they do run discard um, which is just great because you're a combo deck um, cards like him Liliana um, and Marsh casualties out of the sideboard cards like that De Toxic Deluge um, make it difficult to grind the game it's you're going to 
the game can't go as long because eventually they will take over the game with one of those powerful cards. They'll slam a Liliana or, and you'll eventually lose to zombies. Um, so you have to turn the corner at some point. Um, try to out, try to draw some cards, not get blown out by their sweepers, but still kill your opponent in a reasonable time. Yep. Is now is this a matchup that you bring discard into? Are those like specific powerful cards that they have worth bringing in a thought seize or something like that? I like to bring in a couple of ways to deal with Liliana specifically. Um, usually if I like I one thought sees if I have it in my board, I'll bring it in um, or abrupt decay. Um, this is Grixis control is one of the few fair blue decks that um, actually like assassin's trophy more. Mm-hmm. Because it can kill Gurmag Anglers. Um, and also, their anti-combo hate tends to be discard rather than counter magic. It's less likely you'll get an Assassin's Trophy countered. Whereas, yep. you know, playing against you know, Delver, Blade, or Miracles, you know they have a couple Fluster Storms coming in. Uh, spell Pierces if they're around. Things like that. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So we got those sort of two heavy control decks out of the way. How how do the games against the various flavors of Delver go? The, the Delver matchup, um, def- a lot of it depends on which Delver deck it is because um, it depends on what they'll have post board uh, yep. for sweepers. Um, the black decks will have again, Liliana's and marsh casualties, the Grixis Delvers. Um, Grixis Delver in particular, and to a lesser extent, blue white can play the mana denial game. Um, pretty well. Um, dazes, wastelands, and removal, they can all... I mean, Elves needs to have a lot of stuff on the board. And whereas a deck like, you know, Miracles and Grixis Control can't prevent you from developing your mana, uh, Delver decks can. So the games usually end up being pretty one-sided, Um but the matchup isn't one-sided. You'll either get Delvered, they'll attack your mana, you'll never get more than two creatures in play, Yep. or you get, you have access to, you know, four mana on turn three, you know, seven mana the next turn, and it snowballs from there. Um, Grixis Delver in particular is very play-draw dependent. Um, so it's pretty even and the better the better your Grixis Delver opponent is the more they understand how important mana denial is yeah so the taking taking that first turn off like if you 
if you're on the draw and you have the choice of playing your bolt and then following it up with Wasteland Delver or playing your Delver on turn one, all of the games that I've seen play out from the favorable side in the Delver matchup are the games where all of the early creatures and early wastelands get fired off. Yeah. So you want to prioritize making sure elves doesn't have that critical mass, and then you can start to develop your threats. And that might be something that a lot of Delver players might, that aren't super experienced in the matchup, might play differently. Like, you play your turn one Delver, and then you can just bolt whatever they have next turn that might be a more important target. But in doing that, you just allowed them to get an extra mana with their untap and i mean that one extra creature in play with a cradle that that's that's a lot of mana yeah it snowballs from there very quickly um so the other hand delver of secrets itself is has has flying and elves has no real way to deal with creatures with flying so again on the your opponent wins the die roll and plays that delver turn one maybe has days back up you're under the gun their mana denial is i mean that is how delver wins a lot of its combo decks is that fast clock so um blue red delver on the other hand uh which is more and more popular um is a much easier matchup for yeah the i've i've been so actually i shouldn't i shouldn't say this I'm not surprised, but if you have been playing any Magic Online in the last two weeks since Rich, Rich Cali won Syracuse, the number of blue-red Delver decks is absolutely through the roof in its representation. Yeah, and there are you know there are some really good cards that blue-red Delver can run against elves. Your forked bolts, your electricery sideboard, all those random sweepers but blue red delver's clock is also its removal to some extent um those bolts when they have to you know they may have you know eight lightning bolts in their deck or whatever they're running for removal spells they all have to go at elves yep so when when they when their removal is being used um, reactively on the elves, it's not you know pointed at my face. It's not triggering prowess creatures, so it's going to be slower. Um, and so it's it's a pretty good matchup. Um, one thing that blue red delver does do that some of the other delver decks have only recently started is Grafdigger's Cage. Yeah, I... Oh, man. Every every time... I, and maybe it's just because, like, there's some pretty good elves pilots around here, but every time I'm trying to make a sideboard plan, I, I want to make sure that my graveyard hate has some splash hate against the, the Vile and Green Sun Zenith decks. And Cage and Containment Priest are two of my favorite sideboard cards. And man, that, that card does some things against elves. Yeah, so those... Um, so if anyone's listening to this, uh, and if you want to beat elves, um, that is a very good card to run. Um, and also, you know, the splash damage against Storm, 
and obvious graveyard decks. So good. So good. Uh, it's one of the cards I least want to see. Especially because in a lot of those matchups, you don't have a ton of answers for it. You have you bring in like abrupt decays again, but if you're not killing delvers with your abrupt decays, you, you'll probably die. Um, and other than that, do you really want to leave reclamation sage in? Uh, yeah, it's so it's so tough because you talked about how your sideboard plans are based off of the those sort of bombs that you need to react to from your opponent. But Grafdigger's Cage shuts off quite a bit of the deck, and any deck can play that. Now, obviously, you're not going to be playing it if you're playing a deck that relies on Graveyard Synergies or or something else, but a lot of the fair decks can just have Cage where you might not have expected it in those lists. Yeah, so, yeah, it's tough because it's so... Not, not only is it so easy for you to just have a Cage, you might just have one Cage in your sideboard and do I hedge against it? The game's going to play out completely differently if I, if you have it and if you don't, you know, I find myself needing to cut cards like green sun Zenith against Delver decks just in case. Um, because there are some hands you look at and they kill your opponent on turn three and then they play a cage and you can't do anything. So one of the, I know it's not a, you know, it's not as pretty. It's not as doesn't do your same engineered plague or perish things, but it's flexible sideboard card. Yeah. So I, we're, we'll, we'll get, get back to the matchups, but if, uh, if you all haven't, haven't seen it yet in the deck dump for the leagues this week, did you see the Sylvan, the three-color plug deck that Lee J was playing that had three main deck engineered plagues? I did see that. That looks awful. Um, I I get it. Name play against Delver. You name what human? Human, or <laughs> you can you can name human and insect, and then it shuts off both half. Ooh. Of Delver of Secrets. And then you you go ahead and put your armadillo cloak on whatever creature you have and go to town. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares about that, those engineered plagues. Um, I, the only thing I saw on the deck dump, to be honest, there was a green-white Karn stacks deck with Armageddon. Once yep, I, saw I saw that, that I fell too. in love. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a spicy deck dump. So... Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about that right now was this this plug deck really is leaning on the power of Trinisphere. And the the mono-red matchup for you, how was the mono-red matchup for Elves and how do those games play out? Um, the mono-red matchup for Elves is based entirely on what the mono-red player has their hand because all of your um if they have the nuts you're gonna lose uh, that's true for most legacy decks yeah that's why it's so good um but other than that um you have a elves has a lot of very 
good cards against those strategies. Um, it can function very well off of just one forest. If you can get one forest, um, you can, you know, bounce your forests, your creatures create mana. So if you can get one forest out, you can, Blood Moon doesn't matter. Um, Chalice is obviously great. Um, but again, Chalice isn't a knockout blow because you run a natural order and you can just natural order with an elf out and get there. Um, but it all depends on what your mono red opponent does. If they have a turn one blood moon and you kept a hand with fetch lands, despite being a mono, essentially mono green deck, you run three basic forests. If they go chalice into rabble master, it does take you a few turns to build up mana without creatures. So what elves does have the tools to beat mono red. It's more of, did you, does your hand line up? with theirs and sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't um because there's no you know i'm never gonna can trip into an answer for the rabble master it's kind of just here's what i got here's what you got let's do this so what are the other interesting matchups i I don't want to talk about combo too much because that's really where we're going to where you might not want to be bringing elves <laughs> to the field if you're expecting to see a ton of combo. But what are the other interesting fair matchups that you can say something about? Um, Agrilum's pretty interesting. Um, from what I found, Agrilum is another one of those matchups that's even, but the games aren't even. Um, you'll either your opponent will either have chalice into a Gaddic Teague and you'll not be able to do anything or your opponent will play a dark confident into a knight of the reliquary and you'll crush them. There's a lot of little things in that matchup here and there, but that matchup's always fun because each deck has so, it's so flexible, um, you know, knight, can be anything maybe they're running the you know various planeswalkers you never know what their hate's going to be sideboard um that one's always fun yeah that that matchup or that deck is picking up a little bit of popularity at least in the area that i'm at uh i know john or John Orr was just in the finals of the SCG in Philly, but he played it in Syracuse. I saw that very on brand of him. Uh, yep, playing playing green, black, playing straight yeah. straight black green and doing doing really well with it. Uh, I know that he played it in Syracuse. Jerry actually played it as well, and he played it in the events leading up to it. And Justin, their sound engineer, yeah. um, was also playing it. And actually, I think that Connor Foles the um, the person who runs the Loam Facebook group is releasing a podcast soon. I I was watching a legacy stream this past weekend from the Arizona people. Yeah. And they were in there talking about it. So expect a non blue podcast to be coming out shortly. I like it. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, Agrolum's a very fun deck. Um, Legacy Jund. Got all these good cards. Yep, you just need to draw them and not get killed. Yeah, and hit all four colors of mana. Aggressive mana. In your in your wasteland deck. Yeah. I guess Mox Diamond makes it easier. Yeah. Man, Mox Diamond Mox Diamond is a card. <laughs> My, yeah. Mox Diamond makes that deck tick. You grove grove of the burn willows in your Liliana the the Veil deck. Alright. Oh, it's it's so <laughs> gross. All of the decks that have Mox Diamond, the difference in explosiveness between when they have it and when they don't is just absolutely night and day. Yeah. Who would have thought moxes are good? Yep, zero <laughs> zero cost mana producers are 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 solid. Um, all right. So we talked a lot about elves, and I know that you had a lot to say. Was there anything that we missed that we you wanted to brush up on to talk about more? Not particularly. Uh, if anyone has listening has questions, um, I am always willing to talk about elves. You can tweet at me come to the elves discord find me on the street and i'll talk about elves so all right so let's let's get into this challenge because there are some crazy things that happened here oh yeah this uh so uh blue white stone blade one but it's a funky looking blue white stone blade deck uh about that sideboard tom well okay so this is like the perfect matchup perfect mashup of what everybody's trying to do with blue white so it's a stone blade deck but it's got no jace and it's running palace jailer over jace because it dodges all of the interaction and until you've played with this card you just do not know how awesome being the monarch is and the soft counter suite is three pierce, two snare. Spell snare is just great right now. An actual actual two counter spell. So in lieu of playing the dazes and fluster storms that some builds are playing, it's just playing straight up hard cast counter spells. And in a deck like this now, you get a lot of equity from people thinking that you might be a daze deck. Because it's really hard to distinguish what version of blue-white you're playing against from the first few turns now because there's the Delver version, there's this version, there's the mashup with um, like a little bit of both. And I think that having Delver or having access to Delver is just so crucial against combo that moving it to the sideboard is brilliant because you want it in those matchups, but this deck just functions a little bit better against all of the other fair decks in game one. And then you, you only have your Delvers to bring in when you really need the clock. So I, I love the jailer main. I love the other jailer in the sideboard. I love the Delver of secrets and, uh, gold Ducat is a monster. <laughs> You're a very and, smart dude. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never, I, I, I haven't seen too many people, who have been able to like maintain like a 2000 rating. But I remember just following his Twitter and seeing the results that this guy puts up. And he is, he is a monster, absolute monster. Yeah. Um, one of the things I like most about this deck is how clean it looks, how 
your game plan isn't as torn as a lot of Stoneblade lists are. When I see a Stoneblade list and I see a deck that's running, you know, a, a Jace or two, a true name nemesis, you know, but also supreme verdicts in your deck that wins by creatures. I'm, I'm never, I get that you need to run those cards in the 75, but it always seems like the deck is confused as to what it wants. This deck just runs all good cards and all cards that are going to be, you never have to, you know, play something out and have it backfire on you like that. It's just running more removal instead of sweepers. It's running more powerful counters. Um, so I like, I like this list a lot as well. I don't play blue cards, <laughs> but if I did, I would look at something like this. I, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. There are only a few changes that I would make from the point that I would want to start out with a deck. Uh, but I would probably end up just coming back to this list because he is way smarter than I am. And obviously he just crushed it. Yeah. You know, all this, all the sideboard cards, you can't red elemental blast, you know, it's so big brained. Yep. So second we have steel stompy. And actually I just joined the discord for steel stompy today. Um, because max Gilmore or max torsion on, um, on MTGO is something like he's something like 115 and 45 with the deck playing online. And anytime you see a deck that is putting up that, that percentage, just it, it takes, um, it, it draws your attention to it. It's probably the chalice deck that I would play most likely going into the next tournaments because it is so low to the ground i feel like having the main deck thorns is better in this meta than trying to play bigger creatures like eldrazi would try to i feel like it almost plays a better game of what eldrazi is trying to do just going voltron with arcbound ravager and things like vault scourge and ballista yeah, it's a insanely powerful deck. It's Shops Junior. Um, this definitely isn't the first time that I've seen the deck uh, make a deep run of the challenge. Uh, I think the week after I won, um, another uh, Jack Kendall, who stayed with me at Syracuse, uh, an Elvis player, he came in second with the deck as well. Um, it's got a lot of good matchups, and walking ballista is insane right now and this is the best walking ballista deck in the format so that is somebody to keep an eye on for sure yeah i think this is definitely a deck that going forward to niagara it's going to be on my radar and i mean we're a long way away but people are starting to get what they want to test down and maybe they're not going to be making their decisions but this is on this is on the list of decks that I have that I'm willing that I'm willing to play. I mean, it doesn't have any noble hierarchs in it, so nope, no, no <laughs> noble. I I'm this is it's sad. I'm off. I'm off noble hierarch. I can't I can't bring myself to play it now. I still love the card. I just I don't 
I don't think Noble Hierarch decks are very good right now. And I know that Maverick has a spot, but I'm just, I'm not sure that's a place that I want to be. <laughs> you could always try a real mana dork with power like Llanowar Elves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can attack with Llanowar Elves, right? Actually, you can attack with, with Noble Hierarch. It does, it does the same thing, but you're, you're absolutely right. I just, I, ah, uh, just the learning curve for elves seems like it's very steep. <laughs> yes, it is. And I, I know that from now until Niagara, even if I jammed leagues with it, I would still be behind where I am as a blue player. Yeah. And that's just, that's where I'm at. Personally. <laughs> no, I, I always, I always think back like six years ago and I say, what if, what if I decided to pick up a brainstorm deck instead of elves? I could be playing anything right now. Oh, brainstorm. It's, oh, it's so good. It's like when you, when you're done with dinner and you're out to eat and the, the server asks you whether or not you want like the, the skillet brownie <laughs> with melted ice cream on top of it. That's eating. That is what casting a brainstorm feels like. I just want to let you know this in case in the future you, um, you want to do it. I've done it. I mean, I've done it once or twice. I've played a, one or two blue decks. Uh, I don't like to put, see. I like to draw cards, and I don't like to put them back. So. I got you. Yep. So, yeah, we had Phoenix next, and this is a new, uh, not a new version. I think this this broke out at the Classic in Syracuse, and I can't remember whose deck this was. Doug McKay. With uh, it it was close with the big brained mashup of Storm and Arclight Phoenix that can just do a bunch of silly things and Arclight Phoenix is definitely something that going into Niagara needs to be on people's radars regardless of whether or not you you are going to pick the deck up you need to have a game plan against it and those games play out way different than I thought they were going to play out given the amount of discard and the number of ways that your opponent can configure their sideboard. It's, it's a very difficult matchup to navigate yourself through. Yeah. And it's, you get, it's one of those decks where you get equity just because nobody knows how to play against it. Um, I, I, I get that, you know, occasionally with elves cause nobody knows what all the elves do. And just imagine if elves was a brand new deck. Well, that's what Phoenix is, you know, is your graveyard hate going to be good? Maybe. What What are they bringing out of the sideboard? Who knows? So you get a lot of just points for bringing a deck like that. Unless you were super ingrained in Magic Online, there's a good chance you playing it at the GP will be your first time. Yep, that is a true story. And then I guess the rest of Top 8 is kind of boring. I don't want... Well, like, we had blue white stone blade, like regular blue white stone blade. We had lands, uh, with nothing super interesting. Like the main deck, engineered explosives and sylvan libraries were a little different from normal lands lists, I think. But other than that, it was standard lands. We had mono red prison. We had sneak and show, and we had Grixis control. So all of those are just sort of like the standard legacy decks that you expect to see, and they they showed up in this top eight. Yeah, one of the 
bigger picture things is it still looks like there's not a ton of miracles and the tundra decks of choice are running stoneforge mystic um which is it's been a while since we could say that there's been... yeah i mean i i never got off of it i think at some point at some point in the recent past jerry called it unplayable in legacy <laughs> but uh when you when you consider sort of what's going on with the format right stoneforge mystic into batter skull is very good against all of the chalice decks and the the miracles deck currently it's it's got a lot of air to it yeah so the the stoneforge decks are more can more reliably get access to their threats through something like a chalice and uh i'm sure that there is a place for miracles but it's it's not as well represented in top eights as it as it is in the whole field yeah exactly i mean we're not we're not saying you know gold gp niagara is not going to have any miracles that's it's not it there's just going to be less it's not going to be i want to play a control deck let me play miracles it's i want to play a control deck i've got a bunch of options now yep going through the other lists there's Miracles, Storm, another Grixis Control. I guess another story of this challenge, which sort of sort of continued from last week, is Grixis Control making a little bit of a pushback too, with the blue-white blue white blade variants coming up a little bit harder. Grixis is rising a little bit to fight it, because Grixis was kind of out of the meta um, for a little while before Syracuse and all of this stuff started to happen. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Colgan's command, pretty good against Stoneforge. It's not, you know, obviously not impossible for either deck to win that matchup, but Grixis controlled, good matchup um, for those decks rather than Miracles. Um, although my, uh, I did see uh, coming in 18th place, um, that beautiful mid-range World Gorger Dragon combo deck. I saw that too. Like, it's so cute. I I can't I I can't make any comments about it because I've never played with the deck. But cute is the word <laughs> that comes to my mind. Just it's cute. I don't know whether or not it's good. I do. I've always been interested in the idea of a fair blue deck running cards like reanimate and even gristlebrand um just because you can cantrip so much it just goes way over the top of whatever your opponent's doing however i don't know how i feel about world gorgeous dragon in that deck yeah i think ian ian and i had a conversation about a deck very similar to this that showed up at an scg in philly last time or maybe two times ago and the person who was playing the deck, instead of having the Stroke of Genius in the main deck, they, were running they had it in the sideboard, and they played Cunning Wish. Oh. And I think that, that that just might be a better fit, because you're hardly ever hardcasting your Stroke of Genius like for not killing your opponent. And having access to a Cunning Wish seems like it would be more like just more flexible for a deck like this. So I like... I like that 
card being in the sideboard for sure. But I mean, everything else in this deck seems fine. Yeah, it's it's nifty. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't suggest it to anyone who's like, I need a deck to win. But if you're looking to have fun, that deck looks like a blast. Absolutely. And I think, like, scrolling further down the list, we see our first Blue-Red Delver in 23rd. So I know in the leagues, Blue-Red Delver had a ton of representation. And really, we see the other decks that are in the top eight Kind of, kind of beating up the blue red deck a little bit in this challenge. Yeah, that's one of the things about Magic Online results like this is you can yeah take it with a grain of salt because there really is only you know five hundred thousand dedicated Magic Online grinders now you know playing Legacy. I'll know, I'll know the exact numbers, but there's only so much you know you run a league and you play five blue red delver decks and you're like well i'm gonna run some cards that are good against them i'm gonna be ready and you run the chain you know run a league and then you play the challenge the next day you're probably gonna play you know the same people everyone's trying to out metagame themselves so it does move fast if i played a paper tournament this weekend I would not expect there to be a massive target on Blue Red Delvers back the same way it would be on Magic Online. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Like you, you go to a paper event, and I, I don't want to say it's the majority of people, but a very large percentage of people, they're they're playing their legacy deck that was in the exact same box it was four months before <laughs> when they played their last legacy event, yeah. and maybe a card in the sideboard has changed. Yeah, and that's I guess that's one of the things that I like about legacy that it doesn't move as quickly because I don't have as ton I don't have as much time to play as I as I would like to and keeping up with the changes in something like a standard format just I I just don't have the time for it as an adult Yeah, I mean legacy is is great for that. That and that is I mentioned um it, when we were talking about going deeper into elves that I like to have two Crater of Behemoths because it deals with a, all the random stuff you'll see. And that is one of the reasons for that is you find, you know, you find some, some guy with, you know, he hasn't played Legacy in two years and the last time he played it, he was running, you know, random random blowout card for elves cast extract targeting you whatever these random cards that might just kill you they could just be in their deck yep so crater hoof crater hoof is one of those cards for you yeah it just trying to end the game so yep so we had we had a deck dump two, and right up at the top of it is actually the person who built the deck that um, that Daniel won the challenge with. So I just followed this person on Twitter. They are Omar Belton. Yes, Omar Omar something. I remember the Omar, and they got a shout out for being the deck builder 
that sort of put this whole thing together and it's the same list from the challenge and man just i like it i like it a lot and i can't wait to to get a little bit more with this it does it's it's so it's so weird to see it without jace but (laughs) yeah but i mean like if you look at how everything is sort of sitting right now jace being blue and be being vulnerable to pyroblast out of the sideboard and Jace being a non-creature and getting hit by Spell Pierce and all of the stuff that the Delver decks are trying yeah. to do, like, just having it having it be a creature that gives you this permanent plus one card is is just so, so nice. Yeah. And a lot of the... Of, as far as Jace decks go, this Stoneblade isn't built to leverage one for one and one for two like card advantage that jace lets you yeah like like miracles the deck is based off of like the removal aspect and you just grinding it out and jace is great because you get more removal but when i've been playing the blue white decks that have been playing jace a lot of the times like you slammed your jace after your opponent dealt with your true name where you just want to get your opponent dead and Jace being something like a Gideon ally, a Zendikar, another true name, or something like a Palace Jailer, just works better with the plan of killing your opponent. Yeah. It's very true. Alright, did you see anything else? Actually, I, I think I think you want to talk about the Castle Bravo deck. <laughs> I do. This deck okay. is beautifully made. There's now, so much going on. I don't know how if it's many good. people. How many people are going to be able to play this deck in paper? Um, well, how many people do you know that own three tabernacles? Zero, absolutely zero. Which is why, which is why, as soon as I like saw this list, I was like, "Oh, that's cute." They're playing. They're playing mono white stacks, and then I saw the three tabernacles, and I was like, "Oh." I can safely cross this deck off any list for testing for me because there's no way that this is going to happen. Yeah, I looked at the deck. It's like $460 online. I can deal with that. I can maybe even rent it if I want. $10,000 in paper. That is a vintage deck. There is some overlap. Um, that one guy who owns Mono Blue Stasis with three sideboard tabernacles Uh he finally has another deck to play. But, jeez. This, this deck is wild. The just, I don't even know how it wins. Karn. Just Karn. I guess, like, your opponent scooping is a legitimate... A legitimate win condition as well, right? Yeah. Like, if, you're, if your opponent cantripped once, then... Then you, you win... You win that game... If they fetched, you can just deck them. Yeah. I mean, you're. it's got factories and Karn, little Karn constructs, but it's, it's definitely not an aggro deck. Um, your Armageddon, beautiful card as well. Just, there are a lot of decks in Legacy right now that want to play a long game and Armageddon just doesn't let you do that. 
Yeah, another another thing that's coming out of the blue-white decks, and we didn't see it in the challenge, but Cataclysm is a card, too. And that kind of functions as a mini Armageddon, mini Wrath of God, mini whatever you have that resets Planeswalkers, too, which, which is helpful. I had uh, a very sad Cataclysm story at the uh at syracuse okay was... tell me what happened <laughs> so uh my syracuse uh did not did not go very well i went um zero three in the main event and did not get my first legacy match win until like round two of the classic but so we get to round i think round five Playing death and playing against death and taxes, which would be a great matchup for me, except instead of a second crater hoof behemoth, I was running a Zakama primal calamity. Um, I I don't even know what this card does. What does it do? It it's like a nine drop dinosaur. It costs green, red, white, like six. It's got some abilities that can just gain you some life. You can bolt a creature or destroy an artifact or enchantment. It's a 9-9 Trampler. Okay. Um, it's a really cool card. That was why I played it. It's a di- It's an Elder Dinosaur, which is um, cooler than an Elder Dragon, I guess. So, anyways, I, I played it. Um, not because it was good, but because I wanted to meme. And I figured I could justify going 0-3 if I did... If I did, by, you know, there's dinosaur. By saying that you played the yeah. dinosaur. I 100% under, I agree. Like, I agree with that call, absolutely. So, um, you get to Death and Tax. It's like turn six. I have naturally drawn both my Crater Hoof Behemoth and my Zakama. I could, um, I need to pass the turn to my opponent. Um, to get to the mana to cast either one or both of them. Um, you know, cards in hand are like Natural Order, Zakama, Crater of Behemoth. My opponent's got a board of some equipment, some creatures, you know, death and taxes stuff. None of it really matters except for an Ether Swarm Cannonist, which is why I can't play Zakama on my turn because I already, mm-hmm. you know, already played something. I'm so pumped because I've never cast as a comma. I get to cast as a comma and it untaps all of my lands, including a guy's cradle. So I'm like, this is the best thing that's going to happen to me all weekend. I'm going to do it. He cataclysms me. I sacrifice everything. I'm devastated. I immediately drop from the tournament. It's just the worst cataclysm of my life. But didn't you get to keep the dinosaur? Oh, I didn't get to cast it. It was the turn before I cast it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That is a very sad so, cataclysm, yeah. Yeah, it was garbage. So I hate <laughs> so, so I hate cataclysm. I also don't think it's really that great against elves. Yeah, I think it's it's more of a card where you're not you're not putting in your sideboard because of elves, but sometimes you you need to bring in a card like that, even yeah. though it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. Just because it can get you out of a spot that yeah. could be tough to get. It out is. Of. It is very dead most of the time. 
but when it's good, it does stuff like that. Yep. So. So we actually had a Star City Classic 2 that I think we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into next week. But Brandon Osborne ended up winning it with Storm, and he is an absolute master. Uh, looking at looking at the top 16 deck list, there's quite a bit of Storm. So, I mean, if, if you're new to Legacy and you don't feel like you want to pick up something like Elves, Storm is another one of those decks that rewards the time that you put into it and sort of mastering the single archetype. And Storm is Storm is doing pretty good yeah. lately. That is that was was one of the first things my that I thought when I saw the classic results was not only Brandon but the uh, Keith I can't quite Blackwell Blackwell yes both of those players have been on Storm forever and it paid off with their finish um, which. There are a lot of like when I when I know when I prepare for a tournament, I try to avoid having too much dedicated storm hate because I'm only really worried about people like Keith and Brandon. Because I feel like I can get an edge with my play against someone who's new to storm picking up storm for, you know, been on it for a couple months picking it up because it looks cool it's a very difficult deck and they put the time into it and they got the great finish absolutely all right so i think that you did a great job running down elves some matchups giving people some tips and advice for how to go about sideboarding and how the matchups play out i learned new stuff so thank you that's always the and point. Yeah, if uh, if people want to get in touch with you to ask you about elves or to commiserate with you about bad beat stories about Cataclysm, <laughs> where where can they do that? Um, you can find me um, on Twitter um, uh, at Berkshire Ranger. Um, my name's Adam Wallace. I'm on Facebook, and I dick around in the Leaving Legacy page, try to meme on Jerry. Um, a-bomb diggity on Magic Online. And I'll see everyone at GP Niagara Falls as well. I can't wait for that. I'm so pumped. Like, just actually getting to go away for, for events is outstanding. But, like, having them be Legacy just makes me makes me so excited. We're, like, a month away. I can't wait. Oof. Oh, yeah. This time, this time next month, we'll be on our way. Hopefully, Ian can... Uh, can be kidnapped from his family events and he'll end up making it too. And hopefully we get him back from, uh, from South beach next week. Otherwise I might have to call you up and you might need to, uh, <laughs> you might need to do this again. <laughs> All right. All right. You can find the cast at dead format cast on Twitter. Email us at dead format cast at gmail.com and hit us up at our Patreon, patreon.com slash the dead format or see us in our discord that we're super active in. Thanks. Thanks for coming on again, Adam. That was awesome. Yeah, no problem.